to this edition of Amazing Creation. I'm your host, Fred Johnson. This show is about the credibility of the scriptures as they pertain to the creation of the world and our origins, and in contrast to the dogma of evolution. The show is produced by the Triangle Association for the Science of Creation, that's shortened to TASC, T-A-S-C, a Raleigh, North Carolina group of scientists and lay folks whose mission is to increase awareness of the scientific evidence supporting the plain, straightforward understanding of the biblical account of creation. Evolution is almost universally now taught in our public schools, colleges, and universities as the origin of all of life we see around us. But there are many, including highly educated scientists, who see evolution not only as impossible, but moreover as untenable when made to stand beside the revealed Word of God in the Bible. Today we have Dr. David Playstead on the program, who is a creationist and a professor of computer science. Professor Playstead was born in Pennsylvania. He received a bachelor's degree in mathematics from the University of Chicago and a Ph.D. in computer science from Stanford University. He served on the faculty of the Computer Science Department at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign until 1984, and since then has been a full professor in the Department of Computer Science at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Professor Playstead has authored or co-authored numerous publications in a variety of fields of computer science. He has also co-authored a book on the efficiency of theorem-proving strategies. Professor Playstead has served on the editorial boards of a number of journals in his field. I know Dave personally from the work he has done with TASC. Tell us, Dave, how is it that you became a creationist? Well, I believed in the Bible and in God when growing up, but I never thought about the evolution issue. Once I asked my father about this, and he said that maybe the Lord took an ape and made it into a man. In high school, I excelled in science and came to accept the theory of evolution. I also was interested in the Bible, however. At the beginning of graduate school, I had a personal crisis, and at the same time was in a Bible study group with some Christians. This situation caused me to become more deeply committed to Christ and to be converted. At this time, I also began to consider the creation-evolution question. These people I was studying with gave me a book that presented scientific evidence for the flood and for creation. It seemed reasonable to me. So how did you become active in the creation movement? I believed in creation but wasn't thinking about it much until someone sent me an email stating that man is as old as coal. This fellow was a crank, but it started me thinking about the issue again and getting involved in some online evolution creation debates. Then I constructed a website about the issue that became reasonably popular. Later on, I became involved in task and also preached about the issue at my own church and some other places as well. How do you explain the opposition of so many scientists to creationism? That's a good question to ask. Most people believe evolution because they were taught it. However, I think there is something more fundamental going on here. Our scholars are committed to a mechanistic worldview that excludes the possibility of miracles, and in fact, that's the way science is even defined today. When people are oriented this way from childhood on up, then the idea of creation seems ridiculous to them, independent of the evidence. The idea that there could be a God who created the universe and created life is unthinkable to them, and the creation view is never even seriously considered. 
Also, in order to get published and get tenure at a major university, you have to accept the theory of evolution. People who don't go along with evolution get kicked out of academic areas related to the theory of evolution. Another point is that the current mechanistic view of science has produced a lot of progress. By considering that physical devices and even life itself operate according to known physical laws, science has made amazing progress in many areas. For example, our understanding of the human body and of the genome is based on known physical laws. The success of science in many areas causes people to look with favor on the current evolutionary viewpoint. Evolution is based on extrapolation. Because nature operates according to fixed physical laws today, without obvious miracles, evolution assumes that this was always the case. Because small changes in organisms take place today, evolution assumes that over long periods of time these changes led to all the current life forms on Earth, starting from a very simple organism. The problem is that extrapolation beyond known experience can be risky. To be honest, we should seriously consider the possibility that there is a God who interacts with us in history, and should not reject creationism because it requires such a god. Isn't there also a lot of evidence in favor of evolution? That's another good question. I've been involved in discussions about this issue for a long time and haven't found this evidence. Frequently, evidence is cited that really doesn't apply. For example, small changes do take place according to what is called microevolution. Such changes enable bacteria to develop resistance to antibiotics. No one denies this, but these changes never add up to much, and there is no evidence that large changes in organisms can take place by the accumulation of such small changes. It's interesting that the terms microevolution and macroevolution were actually invented by evolutionists themselves, not creationists, because the scientists realized that these were different kinds of changes. One could also cite the fossil record, which is full of gaps between various kinds of organisms, and there is no evidence in the fossils that these gaps ever were or could be bridged. Another issue is that the major life forms all appear very early in the fossil record, and there is little, if any, evidence of what could have come before them. This is called the Cambrian Explosion. Geologists give names to various layers of rocks that typically occur in a certain order. One of these layers is called the Cambrian layer. Many highly developed fossils are found in this layer. I saw some of them on a trip to Canada. In fact, there is a greater variety of different organisms in the Cambrian layer than in the later layers. However, few if any organisms are found in the layers below the Cambrian layer. This doesn't fit the evolutionary model which says that life developed gradually from a simple organism and gradually became more and more complex. The Cambrian explosion suggests that all the different life forms appeared suddenly at one time and did not evolve from simpler ancestors. This agrees with the creation view. Finally, when you consider the complexity of even a single cell, the chance that it could develop by random chemical processes is essentially zero. What about recent discoveries in genetics? Don't they prove that evolution is true? Actually, these discoveries just show how amazingly complex the genome is and make the idea that it could develop by chance incredibly unlikely. In fact, we are still not really with an understanding of a lot of the things that go on inside the cell in the functioning of the genetic material. For a long time, scientists said that most of the genome is junk, 
just garbage left over from evolution, but now it appears that most or all of the genome is actually uh, functional. Also, it was stated for a long time that our genome is 98% identical to the genome of a chimpanzee, but now it turns out that there is at least a 30% difference in the genomes of humans and chimpanzees. That doesn't fit in with the evolutionary idea that we are closely related to the chimpanzee. How does the creation of the universe fit into this controversy? Fred, this is a good question. Most scientists believe in the so-called Big Bang theory of the origin of the universe. A long time ago, according to this theory, a point of space somehow came into existence. It started expanding and somehow the universe developed from it. What are the problems with this view? Well, Fred, where did the original point of space come from? The Big Bang Theory doesn't say. And how did all the order in the universe come from it? Ordinarily, an explosion does not produce such order as we see in the universe. According to the second law of thermodynamics, disorder in the universe is continually increasing. Where did all the order come from, then, in the original spot of space? And how could there be so much order in an infinitesimal spot of space? Actually, many scientists have been led to a belief in God because the idea of the Big Bang is similar to the Genesis explanation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You bring up the Bible. How does the Bible relate to the question of origins? Again, Fred, this is another very good question. Of course, the Bible presents God as the creator of the universe and of the earth and all life in it. The Bible even predicted that people in the last days would question the cre creation account in 2 Peter, starting with verse uh, 3 of chapter 3. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were, from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Again and again the Bible refers to God as the creator of everything. Psalm 33, 6, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, For he spoke, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The theme of God as the Creator is also mentioned in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah 40, starting with verse 26. Lift up your eyes on high, and behold, who has created these things, that brings out their host by number. He calls them all by names, by the greatness of his might, because he is strong in power, not one fails. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hid from the Lord, and my judgment is passed over by my God? Have you not known, have you not heard, that the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, faints not, neither is weary? There is no searching of his understanding. He gives power to the faint, and to those who have no might, he increases strength. But now, thus says the Lord, who created you, O Jacob, and he who formed you, O Israel, Fear not, for I have redeemed you, I have called you by your name, you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you, and through the rivers they shall not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon you. Also Isaiah 45, starting with verse 12, I have made the earth and created man upon it. I, even my hands, have stretched out the heavens, and all their host have I commanded. Speaking of the new heavens and the new earth, the Lord says, 
Isaiah 65, starting with verse 17. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former shall not be remembered, nor come into mind. But be ye glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem a rejoicing and her people a joy. Because God made everything, nature reveals the character of God. Romans 1.20 For those things of him which are invisible since the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. There are many, many other places in the Bible where the Lord refers to his creative power. Only the one who created us can recreate us in the image of God. We are a new creation in Christ because of his creative power. Does this issue really matter, David, after all? Isn't it more important how we treat each other? Yes, Fred. The teaching of evolution is causing many of our university students to lose their faith in God. In fact, according to the theory of evolution, life is just an accident of physics and chemistry. Think about that. That means there is really no meaning or purpose to life. This is a really depressing worldview. The teaching of evolution is also causing changes in our society as we move further and further away from a Bible-based viewpoint. The idea of the survival of the fittest also encourages people to get away with whatever they can, whether it's moral or not. I actually think that evolution is having a major effect on our society. It's essential that our young people be given the resources they need to see both sides of this question and make an informed decision for themselves. Thank you, Dr. David Playstead, for being with us today. And thanks to you, listeners, for tuning in. You can find out more about TASC and some good information about the scientific study of the world from the perspective of those who take the scripture seriously at the TASC website, task-creationscience.org. That's T-A-S-C-creationscience.org. There you can learn about TASC's monthly meetings, which are open to the public, subscribe to the monthly newsletter, and read and download previous articles. Until next time, this has been Fred Johnson for Amazing Creation.